a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Utah Weekly Forum, a public affairs show dedicated to learning more about the issues affecting our lives and health and exploring the resources available in our diverse communities to help. Here's your host, Rebecca Cressman. Hi. What a delight it is to be here today with two extraordinary women. Andrea Smartin, who is a producer, reporter, and the voice and host of a new podcast called Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Andrea is joining us today. Hi, Andrea. Hi. So glad to be here. Oh, that podcast is now like at the list of some of my favorite things I've ever heard. And I'm only in episode three. Now, Mm -hmm. also joining us today is Jenny Hua. And Jenny, you help the Afghan refugees. Is that right? Yes. Okay. I don't know. Do you have a specific title other than Amazing Woman? Uh, No, that'll do. (laughs) (laughs) Now, for those who have not had a chance yet to listen to the first two episodes of Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you haven't been introduced yet to Jenny and her extraordinary resourcefulness, but we're going to talk about that today. So first, let's go back. Andrea, Stranger Becomes Neighbor. This is an insightful look at what happened when the United States said, yes, we're going to take more refugees from Afghanistan and we're going to bring them to different cities. What happened in Salt Lake City? Tell me why you wanted to do this in-depth look, this podcast. Yeah, we what we saw in the beginning when, when the evacuation of Afghanistan first happened, it was so dramatic and so, and such terrible images that we saw. You're talking of, about the video of yeah. the airport, people trying to crush in to get out, right? Yeah, yeah, desperate to get out. Families were separated in the crowd. And so some of them got through. About more than 80,000 came to the U.S. and came to our doorstep. And it was a very extreme situation. But there was this overwhelming desire to help. I think across the country, but especially in Utah, that likes to think of itself as a place that's welcoming to refugees. And so the podcast team at KSL thought, well, you know, everyone cares about helping right now, but what's going to happen a few months from now? So in the podcast, we continue to follow it. We, you know, we promised to be a welcoming community. What does that mean? And do we deliver on it? Right. And what's interesting is this is all very new because so much of what I'm hearing are interviews that you gathered in 2022 of refugee populations in Utah. But you're focusing more particularly in those who arrived in the most recent evacuation. Is that right? Right. I mean, this was was a huge event, right? We haven't seen this many wartime evacuees since the Vietnam War. You know, so it's a big deal. And it happened at a At a time when all the refugee agencies had been cut back to almost nothing, before this evacuation of Afghanistan happened, we had had 
uh, cutbacks to the number of refugees that we were accepting in the country. Um, And the Trump administration kept reducing it every year until by the last year of the Trump administration, it was only 15,000 refugees that were allowed into the U.S. for for the whole year. So we come out of that. Suddenly, you know, the refugee agencies are trying to rebuild and then uh, and then this situation with Afghanistan happens that no one expected. And so suddenly these people are on our doorstep all at once and there's an affordable housing shortage. It's a covid pandemic, you know, so it was uh, it was sort of like, how is this going to work? Right. And that's where I, you know. You could see that the refugee agencies could only do so much in that in that short time frame, and people were being dropped left in hotels for weeks at a time because they, there was no housing to put them in, you know, more permanent housing. So that's when I started to say, well, who's going to fill in the gaps? And I started to go to events, organize. Some of them started with Afghan Americans were organizing to help the community of Afghans that were arriving, and through that those people that I met, I eventually met Jenny. <laughs> and and what I what I was doing with this podcast was I wasn't trying to, um, you know, give a comprehensive picture of everything that everybody did for the Afghan arrivals. I decided to just follow these particular stories. I, I followed the people that were helping just to see what would happen. And let's go there, Jenny. Tell us how you became involved So I saw on the news when everything happened with the Taliban takeover in August, and I was moved, as many of us were, thinking, oh, this is catastrophic, and I wanted to help. My heart went out to those people. Um, I was attending another event through Eventbrite, and it was all serendipitous, really. I saw an advertisement on that website for a Hazara Association fundraiser. And the Hazara are a minority ethnic group from Afghanistan, and their people have created an association here in Utah to serve and help one another. And they were hosting an event to raise money. And so they were having an Afghan dinner um, and just inviting the community to that as a fundraiser. So I saw this event and I thought, well, this would be a good way to get to know that community and see what kind of needs they have. And it happened to be on my birthday. And I thought, well, we'd probably go out for dinner anyway. Why not use that money that we would go out to dinner with? to support someone who really needs it. And I thought, let's go do this. This will be fun. So I invited a few friends and um, my husband, and we went out to this event and uh, had the Afghan dinner. It was delicious. We took our shoes off at the door. Everyone sat on the floor in a large circle. I ended up sitting next to Nazifa, who was one of the female leaders of this group. And she, she'd helped to start it. And I said to her, well, how can I help? Like, how can I contribute? Well, at that event, they had a couple of the new arrivals in their community who just come to Utah. Maybe it had only been, you know, a few days. 
that they had been here. And they had them speak to the group and tell their story. And they translated those stories for us. And one of the people who spoke was ended up becoming my friend. And she, her name's Seema, and she told her very dramatic and traumatic story. She was in the special forces in Afghanistan, worked with our military. Her husband also worked in that unit, and he um, had been killed by the Taliban about a year previously in in combat. She had a little boy um, at the time. I think he was just over a year old. And um, she, her story was so moving, and um, she was crying because she'd lost her husband. And my heart just went out to her, and I thought, why why is she in a hotel? Um, I thought, if we're welcoming these people to our country, that's not really what I call welcoming. Welcoming is bringing you home, making up a new bed that's warm and comfortable, um, giving you food. And keeping you safe for a little while, holding you in your arms, and giving you comfort, and listening. And I I just saw her, and I guess I see everybody this way, as a fellow human being and a sister. And that's what I would do to welcome someone. So... I felt concerned about her because she was so sad. And I thought, how can she go to back to a hotel with her little boy and have, you know, really no friendship and no one to talk to and very little support? So I really wanted to help her. Uh, so I, I began to form a relationship with Nazifa and... Um, we were a little wary of each other at first. I think she, we didn't know each other, how much we could trust one another. Nazifa, by the way, is one of the main characters or individuals that you'll get to know in Stranger Becomes Neighbor, the podcast. A woman who is um, an immigrant refugee from Afghan Afghanistan, who does speak the language, who has risen um, above uh, what she came from and achieved education and, and financial stability and a great job, and it turned and pivoted to help the the Afghans that are coming. And so she's probably naturally a little protective of who's this person who on her birthday decided to come uh, to this celebration. Mm -hmm. But my heart, um, you know, wells up hearing your emotional reaction to Seema's story. Number one, so rare for us to hear the story of a woman uh, uh, fighting along special operations troops. Number two, a widow recently after going through the trauma of, of the fighting in the war, a mother uh, of, of just a child, and the idea of her going back to uh, a sterile hotel versus to a home environment. So I can see why your heart would open to her. And, you know, Andrea, it feels to me that, and, and by the way, take take 40 minutes Listen to the first episode of Stranger Becomes Neighbor. 
Because what you do, Andrea, is you give voice and life and um, connection to these very real people. So it's not just Afghan refugees. Mm -hmm. These are people, sisters and brothers and mothers that want new friends and want a new beginning. Mm -hmm. They have names. Mm -hmm. They need support. And you really take that kind of a generalization away Mm -hmm. and help us know that if we personally get to know them, then we can be the bridge to help them uh, relocate. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think people see the news headlines and it can seem so overwhelming. And then no sooner do we have, you know, the uh, evacuation of Afghanistan and then we have the war in Ukraine. And, And so I think people often feel overwhelmed and kind of helpless. Like, what can I possibly do? And it just keeps another wave just keeps overtaking us. Right. And what I found working on this podcast it has been like a balm for me or like an antidote to that sort of feeling of helplessness or powerlessness to watch people like Jenny take action, like just be there with people, figure out what is needed. And and it's what's what's hard about these stories. I mean, there's so much suffering. Right. And they're complicated, like these families are separated. It is not clear how they can get back together. You know, people separated from their children or their parents. Um, Who want to leave Afghanistan and, and come here and yeah. be with them, but they are And not at this able point, to. it's just like there's, you, you can't even see a way forward, right? And then their immigration status is, is so uncertain. Even two years out we are now, many of them still don't know what their status in this country is going to be. They still don't have a more permanent status here. And so... You know, these are hard problems to sit with, you know, and we want to I think this is something that we deal with in the podcast and we get into in more depth as we go along. But, you know, people want to help. And a lot of times they're like, oh, I'll just I'll bring a, you know, bring some food. You know, <laughs> that's kind of our reaction. Right. Like, what can I do? That's what we're trying. I can bring clothes. That's, I can sure. give you my used shoes, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> but um, but but the, the sort of deep impact happens in the relationships and the sort of sitting through those those more deeper, harder needs to to meet, right? Well, speaking of sitting through, I have a friend of many, many years who moved to a new community, Cedar Hills, Alpine, Highland area. Mm-hmm. She went to church her very first Sunday, and then uh, she called me and said, um, you might be surprised by what I've just done, but a group of women... We're meeting after church and it's called, they call it a women's council council. And they talked about how there are some Afghan refugees in our community that need help. And they talked about this one woman and her challenges. And my friend said, suddenly I knew she needed to, to live with me. We needed to be the ones that opened up our home. This is Tammy and her husband, Riley, and find a way for this extraordinary woman. And she found that there was this network of people within her neighborhood and community and church that were all volunteering to try to help in different ways. And then she was connected with this wonderful woman named Jenny. <laughs> and before my inter- everything comes back to Jenny, Jenny that's what I yeah, found in the podcast like, yeah, like if, we had an, if we had a solar system we would find uh, Jenny uh, shining brightly uh, they're pulling their gravitational forces 
Um, but, you know, when I said, well, how amazing is that, that I'm actually interviewing that same Jenny uh, today. But I said, you know, as you are trying to uh, support this woman, this incredible human being, to continue to learn English and to look at job prospects, um, you're not alone in this. You're part of this net of other amazing volunteers that are all taking the risk of doing that hard thing and yet growing so much from it. When you describe Seema, you describe her now as someone who is a dear friend of yours. Mm-hmm. She's enriched your life. Yes. Um, like like Andrea said, I I feel that I came into this fairly serendipitously and it kept going forward the same way and I kept being surprised Um, and like she said the war in Ukraine occurred shortly after the Afghans arrived and that really that threw shockwaves through me and through most of us and at at that time I was helping many of the Afghans and though it was like a wound had just been ripped open in the web of humanity, I myself um, felt like the darkness was not in my soul. My soul was like full of light and I felt so happy because I was, you know, serving and being with these Afghans. I felt so just light and um, like there's a way forward when, yeah, you're, when you're feeling way overweighed by these yeah. big international stories. There is something local right here yeah. that you can do that brings light to your exactly. life and to theirs. Like help the person who's in front of you. And that's all any of us can do is help that one that we can see and we can talk to. Tell us about some of the things. In fact, Andrea, you were uh, talking about, you, you, you set up a, one of the stories of a young a little family, three, I think three members of the family. Mm-hmm. They're young. They've got their four-year-old niece. They're picked up in the middle of the night from the airport. They're dropped off in a cold apartment with no lights, no power, no phone, no connections. And they're all alone in a new country and half their family, if not more, right, are, are still in Afghanistan. And that sense of isolation. Now, what have you learned from your storytelling about what the needs are and how do we become uh, the, the people that can actually make the personal connection and help? Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because the whole, all these stories evolve over time, right? So in the beginning, it's, a, it's an emergency situation. And, and that family that you talked about, the, the young She's a 16-year-old. She's there with her four-year-old niece whose parents are not there and then her older sister. And they're all alone in this strange land. You know, they know nothing about Utah or America. And they're in this apartment uh, where for some reason the power and the heat aren't working when they arrive there in the middle of the night in a a snowstorm. Um. And so it's a terrible first night. They they think maybe it would be better to go back to Afghanistan, even face the Taliban, you know, than, than, than be alone out here, basically. Sure. They had no friends, no family, no way to contact anyone. They didn't even have a functioning cell phone in America. Um, so 
luckily, the next day they walk out and they meet their neighbors. And、uh, who happen to be Afghan and speak their language, and those neighbors are able to reach out to Nazifa, who we talked about as a, as a refugee herself, who is a leader in the community, and then Nazifa reaches out to Jenny. <laughs> It's this this whole network, and then Jenny reaches out to another woman who ends up living in the neighborhood, Carrie Wickham, Carrie Wickman,、mm-hmm. yeah, Wickman. and and she becomes、um, a mom to them. And it takes a little bit, you know. All these connections have to be made. It's it's kind of amazing to me all the little things that have to happen for those connections to be made. So, so a question I kept thinking about was how do we make these networks sort of flourish or happen? How do we have this sort of network or support system? And I think part of it is like is it's putting a mirror back on ourselves. Is what kind of a community do we want to be?、Um, Not just for you know. What something that I've observed is that the the communities that have been able to help the most are sort of already have a sort of social scaffolding, a social cohesion, where they have these networks and, and are examples, able to draw on them. Like you give、right? examples of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, like in the Relief、right. Society. There's already right. So so Jenny's a member of the church, and so she was able to call on that network when she needed help and and pull in more connections. She knew that Carrie Wickman was the president of the Relief Society in that neighborhood with the 16 year old and the four year old niece, so she was able to to use those connections.、Um, but so I think like as. Another big question I've been grappling with in this podcast is what can one person do in the face of you know such an overwhelming situation? And I mean, one person can make a huge difference, but at the same time, one person is limited if you don't have that social cohesion, if you don't have that network. So, Jenny, what can one person do to create that network like you have? <laughs> well. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I felt that. I felt like when I went into this, I thought my original thought was、uh, maybe I'll 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 be a foster parent and foster one of the、uh, refugee children who's coming here, and I just wanted to help in some way. And I thought, well, I I could do that. I could, you know, contribute to one person's life.、Um, and then I started to learn about their community to. See if that's what I would want to do, but as you, I said, I'll choose to help help this one person, and then more people came to me, <laughs> so it becomes overwhelming to help so many people. And I thought, well, if each one of us helps one. Then the problem is solved so fast, so easy. And if you have the other people to talk to and say, "What did you do to help、right. your one?" Then, right. Then you're not starting from scratch. Yeah. And、right? it doesn't even have to be one person helping one or one family helping one family. It's just one family who chooses to help one family and then uses all of their connections to also help this family. So there are a thousand plus, give or take, Afghans who came here. If each of those families were helped by one family and their connections, this problem could be solved overnight. So I just set out to find more people who wanted to help one family, and I 
just told everyone I talked to. <laughs> but it was easy. I mean, people say I'd meet strangers and I'd meet friends and it went out to dinner with my husband's colleagues. Hey, what are you up to? What are you doing? Oh, I've been helping the Afghan refugees and this is how you do it. Would you like to help? Sure, we'd love to help. Okay, let me tell you how I can help. You can help this family and this is how you can help them. Or I was um, taking a day skiing and I sit on the lift. Oh, what are you doing? I'm helping the Afghan refugees. Would you like to help? Oh, yeah, I'd love to help. Everyone would love to help, you know. So I tell them. If you show them how. If you show them how. Mm -hmm. So I say, okay, well, this person needs specifically this. And this is how you could help them. And also being understanding that people's lives, you know, our challenges ebb and flow. So people are in different places. One woman I met, again, a colleague of my husband, she was pregnant with her sixth child, uh, pretty busy. And, um, you know, health-wise, like not in the place to be running around town, but she wanted to help. And I said, well, what we really need is someone to do some research and find apartments because people are wanting to move closer to their work or their apartment lease is coming up and they don't have someone to help them find a new apartment. And she's like, oh, I can do that. So she was amazing. And she just did all this research and she would just like email me, okay, here's a list of apartments for this person and have them go check those out. It was incredibly helpful. It's something she could do while she was, you know, not sleeping. You know, I I wish that we had four hours to continue talking together (laughs) uh, because I know what's happening is that people are listening and going, yeah, I want to help. And I don't know whether it's I need to donate so to help somebody pay for a tuition or I, or, or I want to help someone get a, you know, learn how to drive or I want to help someone learn English or I just want to help them with clothing or I want to be able to be the people at the airport that greet the new family. So where do we put that, those desires? How do we connect to either you, Jenny, or Andrea, to the organizations, because it's an informal network. Yeah. And you talk about that in Stranger Becomes Neighbor, um, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, the podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do want to say that the, the refugee agencies that are here do amazing work, and um, they have all the resources and the structure to do some, some of this work. So, I mean, if you're a working person or you're a parent and you don't have a lot of time to give, but you want to do something and you don't know how to get started, I would say we have two main refugee agencies here, the International Rescue Committee and Catholic Community Services. They have an ongoing need for volunteers, an ongoing need for donations. I've heard through Catholic Community Services that they have they have like a storage unit of um, donations, uh, furniture and things that people need that's very low right now. So they I know that they need um, they need help. And so I, I, you know, my podcast focuses on regular folks <laughs> um, like Jenny. Well, I, I don't think regular is, is the is the right word. Inspiring. You're you're amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you you are extraordinary in what you do. Um, I mean, it's a full time job, basically. Um, and I know you have five kids. <laughs> um, yeah. I you know, not that. everyone can give as much as Jenny. Right. right. So it okay. sort of depends and on okay, where you're yeah. at. You know, maybe you want this more personal approach and maybe you want to connect with a network like Jenny's 
or maybe you want something that a structure that kind of already exists that you can tap into. So it kind of depends on where you're at. Yeah, yeah. Catholic Community Services has a great mentorship program, mm-hmm. and they will train you to uh, mentor families, and they put you together in a group with other mentors. So it's not all the load isn't on you know one family. They put you in groups, they train you, and I would suggest reaching out to them and volunteering. Where I'm at, I'm filling in gaps that aren't met. But if volunteers volunteered for these programs, those gaps wouldn't exist so much. Catholic Community Services, Mm -hmm. as well as the The International Rescue Committee. Yeah, Yeah. also Asian Association of Utah is another one that's in town. All right. And you also mentioned the Hazara Association of Utah. So you could find them and they're a young organization and could certainly use support. Mm-hmm. I encourage you to listen to each one of the episodes of Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Andrea Smartin, who has joined us today, and Jenny Hua are pivotal. But what a beautiful story of humanity reaching through the hardships together. There is something we all can do and we should do to create a a more welcoming community. Thank you so much for having us. And the podcast is available where all major podcasts can be found. I found mine on Apple Podcasts. You can go to KSL Podcasts and get more information. It's called Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Thank you again for joining us today. Thanks. Utah Weekly Forum is produced by KSFI FM 100.3 in Salt Lake City, a Bonneville International Station. Subscribe to the Utah Weekly Forum podcast online and email us at Rebecca at FM100.com. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.